theextraordinarychurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. So now let's get into the Word. I love you. And um, we're going to open up with a scripture. And I believe I have something here for every one of you. Before you leave this place, you will leave with what's in this box and around. So I have something for you. And I believe that God has come down into this place today to speak a word into your life. And in Psalms, it says, before you're seated, Psalms 23 and 5 says, just the portion, you anoint my head with oil. Say, I need that. You anoint my head with oil. Thank you for the oil that pours down, God, that you always have enough oil that comes down. In the midst of everything, you are in everything because you walk with me. Thank you for the oil that will flow down today in Jesus' name. You may be seated. I'm going to talk about the mind, the anointed mind. Thank you. Great music. Just awesome. What a presence of the Lord. So in 2 Corinthians 10 and 3 through 5 says, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, right? Not worldly weapons, to knock down strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy every false argument. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture the rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. So strongholds are coming down. 2 Corinthians, in the King James Version, maybe you know this a little bit better, 10, 3 through 5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty. Like, like if you got some guns today, like just, you know, like these kind of guns, push them things up, I don't know. They are mighty through God, through the pulling down of strongholds, casting down what? Imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and brings into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We're talking about the mind. We're talking about pulling down strongholds, pulling down strongholds, dealing with ideas and thoughts that are contrary to the thoughts of God. We can't afford to think that way because he doesn't think that way about us. The moment we do that, we entertain a lie and we war against the purpose of God that he's trying to obtain in our life. So say my mind, my mind is going to have peace, is going to have rest. In the midst of all this stuff, my mind is going to stay on you. In Romans 8 and 6, it says, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to? Say, I don't want that. You know what? When I'm in the seat sometimes, like where you are right this second, I'll say, I don't want that. That ain't coming to my household. That's not coming to my family. You got to speak to yourself. I said, well, that ain't going to walk in my house. 
You got to get the word and you got to speak it because somehow you're going to start believing it and somehow it's just going to show up when you begin to let that tongue go. But what does it say right now? But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Say that's me. Say that's me. Get your pointing finger and say that's me. That's me. I'm going to have what? Life and peace in my house. It doesn't matter what else is going on in anybody else's house, but in my house. I'm going to have life. I'm going to have peace in my house. In my house. It doesn't matter what's going on, but it's going to be in my house. The mind that is contrary to the mind of God is set up for failure. It cannot obey God. It's incapable to do what God has. It's incapable to do what God has intended for it to do. Casting down imaginations. That's a violent term. I wish I had a trash can and a glass and it would go. I mean, it would just break that thing. Casting down imaginations. Not accepting the devil's thoughts, his suggestions, or his vision. So we're going to cast that down right now, and we're going to do this. This is a good practice. I remember speaking this one time, and somebody, that guy down there, he's like, you need to cast that thing down. I said, like, oh, yeah, I need to do that. That's right. That's right. We all need to help each other, right? So casting down imagination. So get your little hand, put it on your head. I don't know. You got to go. We're going to grab some of that stuff right now. Okay. We're going to cast that down, Right? Because we want to be victorious over the enemy. So here we go. We're going to count to three. We're going to cast that down. Right now. One, two, three. Cast it down. And you know what? It's a violent term. It's a say, oh, no, you can't come in this mind. No, 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 no. I cast that down in Jesus' name. You must learn to actively fight to maintain God's vision in your life. That means you're going to cast down that imagination. The only thing, the only, you can only accept imaginations and thoughts that line up with the word of God. If it doesn't, you have to cast that down. So let's do it again because you probably need to. Cast that down. Cast that down. Somebody need to stand up and get a little, oh, I'm going to cast that down. Come on, because you know we're going locked down and all this kind of stuff. You better cast that down. It's a violent term. Somebody, I know some people that work out. Come on, take that thing down. So when you leave here and you're all locked up in your house, but you better get on these kind of Zoom calls. Every Zoom call that you can get on, get on. But you remember when you were at the house and that thought comes, you be like, what that lady said? Cast that thing down. Cast it down. Say, I'm going to do that. You better do that. We got to do that in these days that we live. Amen? Amen. Say, that's me. So I'm going to tell you something a little bit. Jesus had some disciples. Shake your head if you know that. Give me some thumbs up. You know that? Okay, he had some disciples. And Jesus was with these disciples in this scripture, in this place. I'm going to tell you in Mark chapter 8, 14 through 21. Okay, Jesus did all these cool miracles, right? He fed the 5,000. He fed the 4,000. He did all these amazing things. So now, I'm going to tell you where I'm at right here. 
Jesus is on the boat. The disciples are on the boat. And here's the conversation, okay? Mark 8 and 14 through 21 says, but the disciples had forgotten to bring any What's up with that? They, got to, they forgot to bring any food? They only had how much? One loaf of bread with them in the boat. And as they were crossing the lake, Jesus warned them. Because, see, he could tell what's in here. Watch out. Be aware of the yeast of Pharisees and of Herod. At this time, they began to argue with each other because they hadn't had enough, brought enough bread. Can you imagine? I'm going to stop right there for a second. They were like, I can't believe you didn't bring bread. Why did you bring the bread? You should have brought the bread. What? I can't believe you should have brought it. We get ready going. And Jesus on the boat. And we ain't got no one loaf of bread. They were arguing. It wasn't like pandemic they were just arguing in the boat because but they already seen four thousand people fed five thousand people fed and they're like we only got one loaf of bread one loaf of bread and they begin to do what that will not come in my house see you got to apply the word you talk about growing and knowing Jesus apply the word say that's not gonna come to my house okay so they began to argue with one each other because they hadn't brought any bread. Jesus knew what they were saying. So he says, why are you arguing about having no bread? He wasn't like, he just knows everything, you know. Don't you know or understand even yet? You've seen everything I've done. You know me. I'm going to take care of you. Are your hearts too hard to take it in. They were with Jesus. You have eyes, but you can't see. You have ears, and you can't hear. Don't you remember anything at all? They were with him in the boat. When I fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread, how many baskets were left over? Did they pick up afterwards? Twelve, they said. And when I fed the 4,000 with seven loaves, how many large baskets were left over? Did they pick up seven? They said, don't you understand anything yet? He asked them. God warned the disciples because they were in fear mode. We're in the boat. We only have one life, one loaf of bread. They were fearful about their lunch and all the amazing things that our Jesus does. Why does your imagination start with what you don't have? Can you put that little screen up? You know, it's the restrictions. So last week we went into the red. This week you guys are going into the gray. But my God has enough bread at the table. No matter what you have, no matter what you need, my God said, I'm going to show up. I'm going to show up. I'm going to provide for you. Why are you worried about it? You got to be all locked down. Get closer to Jesus. Get closer to groups. Get closer. He's got everything. 
In these days that we live, we have to trust the almighty God with every provision, everything in our life. See, that's me. Disciples, why didn't you change the way you were thinking when you have seen so much I have done for you? There's always two trees in the garden, one that will bring forth fruit and one a free choice. Jesus gives us a free will. Why do you reason? You don't remember that I fed the multitude. Jesus was challenging their thinking. He was challenging their thinking. God is always concerned about how you are thinking. You know why this doesn't say it in my notes, but he wants to, he's concerned about how you're thinking because you are all in the mother grubs. He says, I've done so much for you. Can't you see? Don't you see now everything that I can provide? Love and fear are our response. These realms have influence on how we think. Peter, he was one of the disciples. Matthew 16, 15 through 17 says, now this is Peter. Peter was one of the disciples, and they were out, and Jesus is going to be like, who do people say that I am? So here's Peter, right? Okay, so let's listen. This is Matthew 16, 15 through 17. It says, when he asked them, but who do you say that I am? He's asking them all. Peter, Peter said, answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, <laughs> son of John, Peter upon this rock. I'm going to build my church. I just added that. That's a little saying right there. And But a few verses later, just a few verses later, in the same chapter, Jesus tells them, I'm going to have to suffer and I'm going to have to die. And this is Peter's response to Jesus. Matthew 16, 22 and 23 says, But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never, never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get away from me, Satan. Like, he didn't even say, get away from me, Peter. Can you imagine the other disciples? Did he just say Satan? Can you, did, I can't, did he say Satan? Wow, he didn't even say Peter. He said Satan. You know how we do. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing merely through a human point of view and not from God's. We got to take down human reasoning. We got to take that down because God knows everything and he's in control of everything. That's human reasoning, Peter. Get behind me, Satan. Your mind is not lined up to the mind of God. You are fixed on the things of man. Get behind me, Satan. Your mind is set on the interests of man instead of Christ. Don't give place to the devil. He'll try to walk in all the time. At my door, I'll sometimes say, that spirit, get out of this house. And my neighbors probably thought, what is she doing? I learned this from a lady a long time ago. She opened the door. I said, whoa, when I get home, I'm going to do that too. So she opened the door. She said, that spirit of depression, go. 
It tried to walk in here, but it can't stay in here because it's leaving. Peace is going to reign in this house. Joy is going to reign in this house. Don't give place to the devil. Get your mind renewed in Christ. That means get in the word, get on every Zoom thing, be the church. Get to your house and love on this amazing Jesus. And one another, how we'll help each other is get on those Zoom calls. Get on those things. Inconsistent thoughts violate the purpose of your life. The enemy comes in with patterns of thoughts. The enemy, the devil, will create a room. He will hide in it. He's going to dwell in it. And he'll want to just stay there and live in it. But if I was sitting in that seat, I would say, that ain't me. And I would say, that ain't my household. You got to use this mouth that God's given you. The enemy will exalt ideas that war against the knowledge of God. But say, today is my day. Put your hands together if you believe that. Today is my day. Because God's about to touch my mind. Satan has nothing on me, no part. My history declares the faithfulness of God. My history, your history, declares the faithfulness of God. Another great example was John the Baptist. John the Baptist gave his whole life, everybody say whole, his whole life to Jesus, okay? John the Baptist was this guy in the wilderness, and he, I don't know, maybe he was hairy and he stunk, but he was in the wilderness. And this is what he would say. Prepare you the way of the Lord. I don't know. Maybe if you're in the distance, you can hear like echoes. They're in the wilderness. And then I just only imagine John the Baptist. He goes to the cave and he can't wait till the morning light. Prepare you the way of the Lord. Okay, John, I want you to understand this before I read this. John the Baptist sold out. Sold out. Sold out. Sold out. Prepare you the way of the Lord. Who's that talking? They would say, that's John the Baptist. Okay, so we're going to read about John the Baptist so you know a little bit before we read it. Matthew 11, 1 through 6 says, Matthew 11, 1 through 6. Now it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples that he departed from there to teach and to preach in the city. And when John... Remember, this is John the Baptist. Gave up everything. He probably stunk, smelled, but he was like, prepare the way of the Lord. Okay? And when John had heard this in, where are you sitting? But where are you sitting? And he was where? And you think you got problems? And you know, you get, when you get this little hand on the hip and this eyebrow, you know, it goes like this, like, well, I don't. No, he did everything. He prepared the way of the Lord and he was in where? Okay, about he was doing the works of Christ. He sent two disciples. John the Baptist said, I'm sending these two disciples and go find out if that's Jesus. So I'm just kind of adding a little bit there. And said unto him, are you the coming one or do we look for another? Because John was so sold out to this. He said, are you the coming one or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them go and tell who where was John was Jesus going to prison 
Who was going to prison? He, those two disciples are going to go back and tell who? John. In prison. Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind, verse 5. See and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. So this is the, this Jesus saying, go back and tell them. Go tell them that all the things that you see and what I have done. But Jesus also says, tell John the Baptist who gave up everything. Tell him this. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Did he have all right? What did he say in the prison? He was like, go find out. Is that the one? Is that the one? I'm here in prison, but I've gave up everything. And Jesus says, don't be offended because of me. Because I'm not coming back to get you out. John, I'm not coming back because I've got to do the will of the Father. The will of the Father i got to keep on doing. God is always with us. Say, he's with us. He's with me. The struggle is in your mind. People go to bed tired and they wake up tired. Reason you wake up tired is you got sleep, but you didn't get rest. And God says, I want to give you rest. I want to give you rest. I want to give you the comforter, which is the spirit of God that will come upon you. And you will begin to speak in an unknown tongue. That's the rest. Your mind has been in turmoil all night long. Your body's asleep, but your mind is tied up in warfare. The mind is a battleground. Out of it, you worry to death. You're stressed out, break down, make you quit. The mind. Say, but that's not mine. Working on that, working on you to give up your dreams. It's constantly. The enemy is working on you to give up your dreams. The fight is to fight in your mind. If you allow the devil to get in your mind, he will wear you out. But remember, in my, if you allow the devil in your mind, he will wear you out. We need the peace of God. Say, that's me. We go to bed with peace and we wake up with peace. Say, I need that. You will keep him in perfect peace whose might is stayed on. Isaiah 26.3. You will keep him in what kind of peace? Boy, do we need perfect peace. Say, I need perfect peace. Not just peace, but perfect. Like, perfect? He is perfect. He's so perfect. Perfect peace. If you do what? You have to keep your mind stayed on him through the pandemic through the lockdown you have to keep your mind stayed on him say that's me so we're gonna have the musicians come I just want them to get settled here for just a little bit and God is about to do something right now at this call I believe that God's already ministering and moving on your mind the promise of perfect peace, if your mind is stayed on God, it's not God's plan for you to be troubled in your mind, frustrated in your mind. That's not God's plan. And because his word says, be anxious for how many things? Well, then why did those disciples so anxious? You didn't bring the brand new brand new. God's going to help us today. 
It's exciting what our God can do. Amen? He is the peace giver. He is the joy. James 1 and 21 says, Receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. The engrafted word, the word that sticks to your spirit. Plant it in your heart. The word that will calm you down. Say, I need that. The word alone will save your mind, will save your life. Amen? So I want you to stand at your place where you are. And I'm going to tell you a little story. At the end of this, it says Psalms 23 and 5. It says, what we opened up with, you anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. I'm going to tell you a story about a shepherd and a sheep. David compared himself to a sheep in relationship to what God does on our behalf. Sheep face various enemies like lions, bears, wolves. David knew firsthand because he was a young shepherd boy. He had an opportunity and instance to kill some of those wild animals to protect his flock. But the sheep face other enemies we don't think about. These enemies are so small. Why don't you just do that? These creatures make a sheep's life miserable. Small creatures, warble flies, mosquitoes, gnats, something called like the nasal fly. Sheep especially are troubled by the nasal fly. These flies attempt to lay their eggs on the damp mucous membrane of a sheep's nose. And if successful, eggs hatch in a few days and the forms a small slender worm like lava that will work its way up the sheep's nasal passage into the sheep's head. causing severe irritation to the sheep. For relief from the pain, the sheep will often beat its head against the rock. It'll rub its head, its neck on the rock, causing some sheep to lose their mind. But when the shepherd begins to see that little tiny enemy, he begins to walk over and he begins to pour oil on top of the sheep's head. Once the oil has been applied to the sheep, to the sheep's head, there is an immediate change. An immediate change when the oil is applied to the sheep's head. The animal's behavior changes. The aggression is gone. The irritability is gone and the animal can lie down and rest. So one thing that can stop the nasal fly is the oil. So I have something for you and they're going to start giving those out. I have a prayer cloth that's anointed with oil. I want you just to hold it for just a minute and we're going to do something with these. I believe God is going to bring instant 
healing to your mind. Instant healing. And you need to be saying, that's for me. That's me. Instant healing. It will be immediate change. And you will be like, wow. But that's our God. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends, extraordinarychurch.ca. We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us, info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.